You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Believe, a podcast for Bills fans. I'm Jamie D'Amico, and normally I'm alongside the great John Boccasino, but he is on assignment this week, so I'm sitting in the captain's chair. But don't fret, he'll return for the next episode. Speaking of which, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us on all major podcast networks, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. And check out the other Buffalo Rumblings podcasts as well. If you haven't listened to Nick and Nolan, you're missing out. Plus, if you want to continue the conversation, by all means, let's make this interactive. You can reach me on Twitter at the Jamie D'Amico. That's spelled J-A-M-I-E-D-A-M-I-C-O. Or you can get a hold of John at John Boccasino. That's spelled B-O-C-C-A-C-I-N-O. We'd love to hear from you. So we have a great show for you today. Not going to lie. Instead of talking about training camp storylines like so many others are, we're taking a look at the psychology of us as fans and that of players who are fighting for their NFL lives, trying to make the Bills 53-man roster. So to speak on these topics, we have a very special guest tonight, Robin Mundy. Not only is Robin a retired oncology nurse and psychotherapist, She's originally from Western New York and is an Uber Bills fan that now lives in Wyoming, which gave her a front row seat to Josh Allen's college career. She was the moderator of the Buffalo Bills message board for 12 years and is now the editor-in-chief of BillsMafia.com. I like to think of Robin as a friend of mine, and I'm really happy to have her. Robin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Happy to have you, and uh, looking forward to your insights. There, uh, there. First of all, there aren't enough female voices in the uh, in the podcastosphere, if that's even a word. <laughs> um, I, I've got a question, and I, I want to start with us fans and our relationship with Josh Allen. Uh, but first, let me throw some numbers at you. Hope this isn't too wonky for the listeners here. But Josh Allen had a, his stats last year. His completion percentage was fifty-two point eight. He had ten touchdowns versus twelve interceptions, with a sixty-seven point nine quarterback rating, a five and six record, and the team went six and ten. That all sounds familiar to you, right? right oh, Robin? very much so. <laughs> Now, let me give the stats of a mystery quarterback. Now, it was my friend, Big Chris, that brought this up to me. He's a smart guy, really knows his football. He said, look at this quarterback's rookie season. This quarterback had a 58.8 completion percentage, six points higher than Josh Allen's. He had 11 touchdowns versus nine interceptions. 
That's what one more TD, three fewer interceptions. His quarterback rating was almost a full 10 points higher. His record was four and six. His team went six and 10. Do you have any guesses as to who that would be, Robin? Unfortunately, I do. Um, this is <laughs> this is sounding like a broken record. Um, EJ Manuel. That is correct. You are a fans fan, if if you know that off the top of your head. Uh, so here's the thing: if we were to say Josh Allen is the next EJ Manuel, I, I would imagine that the listeners right now their their hearts are racing and they can't wait to start yelling at me on Twitter. But even even national pundits are saying Josh Allen has the it factor. Whereas halfway through the first season of seeing EJ Manuel start, a lot of people, including myself, just didn't think that he had it. Like he didn't pass the eye test. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen, on the other hand, he's exciting. He runs the ball well, and that may be the big difference. He runs the ball well, and he had 500 more rushing yards than EJ did in his rookie season. But the end results were that. Josh Allen was not as good as EJ, statistically speaking. Right. I know stats lie, all that stuff. But, Robin, <laughs> as a psychotherapist, what is it about us fans that doesn't allow us to be objective about what we're seeing on the field? What we're seeing on the field is what we want to see because of our passion. And being a fan, being a fanatic, it keeps us from being objective because we we see everything through the filter of what we want to see that's our fan mind some of us can flip you know a switch and and go into a more objective way of thinking but not all fans do that hmm. so do you think that applies to coaching staffs as well is that perhaps why they may stick with a player way too long in terms of a coach um, hanging on to a particular player based on their personality? Well, their performance. I, I would think that there's a lot of coaches out there that are, are watching a player fail, but they feel like it's their guy, oh. so they're sticking with it. Right, right. And absolutely, it's because they're not being objective, because they have an agenda. Their agenda is to see that person succeed, presumably because they drafted him or signed him. And I know John Gruden was... Uh, shouting from the hilltops that Nathan Peterman was in fact a good quarterback when Gruden was doing his QB camp. And now, lo and behold, Peterman's in Oakland. But we'll get to him in a, in a couple of minutes. Um, the thing that I've been giving a lot of thought to, and it's particularly because we're in training camp right now, what is it that causes players of equal talent to fail while others excel what what goes into that we've we've heard the cliches that you know you just got to want it but there's got to be more than that because i can't imagine that any of these guys want to fail i mean they haven't failed too much in their in their playing careers to this point so what wherein lies the difference most of it has to do with things that are not measurable it's what we call the intangibles and we refer to traits that players have that differentiate them from other players of equal talent. Personality matters. Mm -hmm. You know, whether I know that 
<laughs> there's a lot of fans who who know me who roll their eyes because I've been talking about culture and team chemistry and this kind of stuff for the last 20 years, mostly because the Buffalo Bills haven't had much in the way of talent and chemistry um, over the last couple decades. And now, you know, it seems like things are, are starting to come together. But what differentiates players is personality. You can take a player, have the same measurables, and one will succeed and the other will fail. Why? Because of personality. And what do I mean by personality? One of the most important factors is getting the temperament right. Temperament refers to a person's innate reactions to different situations. Some people are what we call hot reactors, where um, something happens and they get all excited and you know they get angry very easily, uh, that sort of thing. And then you have people who are not hot reactors and they're more stoic and they think about things and they don't respond right away. Um, sometimes you need to have a quarterback who's a hot reactor because you have a team that needs you know, that needs that kind of um, energizing. And sometimes you want somebody who's more laid back and stoic. It, it kind of depends on what you've got. It's like a, making a soup, if you will. You have all these different ingredients and you want it to come out tasting good. Well, you can throw stuff together, but if you don't have it in the right proportion and it doesn't work correctly, it doesn't taste right. Uh, that yeah, makes a that's, lot of sense. that's the way that that personality affects a team because you're not just talking about the player's personality themselves, the quarterback, especially they are the leader. They set the tone. They are, you know, kind of the alpha dog, if you will. And um, how they react as the leader of the team has a lot to do with how the team performs. If they buy in, you know, I mean, who doesn't buy into Tom Brady? You know, he's got the rings, you know, he's got everything to show for, you know, his personality and his temperament and how he makes it work as a quarterback. Not every quarterback has that ability. Right. What would be an example of a quarterback well, who doesn't have that? <laughs> we have a, I have, I have a comparable for you here. Um, not long ago, we had a quarterback who was drafted in the 206 draft, the 11th overall pick from Vanderbilt University, Jay Cutler. And Jay played for the Broncos from 206 to 208 and played for the Bears in 209 to 2016. And then he had one year with Miami before he retired. One of the things that we we read about in some of the fan literature um, is that Jay Cutler was known to be not a great locker room presence. And by that, I mean most of the time players did not have a positive relationship with Jay. Now this is all stuff that, you know, I've basically read in different sports sites and whatnot, but I have no reason to believe it isn't true. Um, he's had some difficulty getting along uh, with other players, but he, if you look back at him, he was a talented quarterback. Absolutely. The, the arm on him was, it was unbelievable. And it just looked, the ball looked so, so good talented. coming out of his hand. And yet he could not, you know, he could not 
bring everybody together and and pull, you know, that kind of team concept together. He did not do that. Now, my comparison for today would be actually one of Josh Allen's counterparts in, in the draft, um, Josh Rosen. You know, Josh Rosen is a guy who, before the draft, you know, you read reports and everybody thought that he was the most NFL-ready quarterback of the whole class. Maybe Baker Mayfield, you know, was in the same class in terms of um, being pro-ready. And what happened to Josh Rosen? You know, he came to Arizona and, you know, they had a terrible team. He had no offensive line. Um, Coaching staff gets fired. He gets replaced in the draft and, you know, traded away. But you have to wonder, because the same thing I've also read about him is that his personality is not necessarily what you would find in a prototype personality for a quarterback. He looks the part of a guy who's kind of prickly. Like he, he never looks particularly no, happy out on the field, and does he's he? He's not demonstrative. He's not, you know, affectionate, you know, with his teammates, you know, that sort of thing. And I think to a certain extent in football, it's a very emotional game. And I think that your leader, you know, sometimes the players feed off of their leader. And, you know, that's not to say that you can't have a stoic quarterback. There have been some very successful stoic quarterbacks over the years, but you have to have the right combination with other players. And I don't think that obviously Mm -hmm. the situation for Josh Rosen was not a good one for him in Arizona. And I, you know, I wish him well with Miami, but. But even in Miami, He's. He looks like he's losing out to uh, the old friend of <laughs> Ryan ours, Fitzpatrick. Fitz. Who, you have to. You have to be afraid when when your quarterback in the room with you is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Doesn't he have everybody that starts become injured? Yeah, and it seems like people really rally around him, and and we know that for if he gets starting for a three week period, he's going to be the best oh, quarterback yes, until in the he NFL. Gets that one game, and then everything just kind of unwinds from there. But we definitely love Fitz Magic. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to root against that guy, even when he's on the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, but you know, as long as he doesn't rack up any wins, I'm fine. Um, but anyway. Um, Let's let's continue with the with the conversation about quarterbacks, uh, teammates, their performances, and what can hold players back, mm-hmm. whether they're a quarterback well, or not. One other quarterback that's worth discussing in in terms of personality, and it it has less to do with a personality issue, but Nathan Peterman is a quarterback who has garnered an awful lot of um, attention for mostly the wrong reasons. Um, he is somebody who has repeatedly shown that in practice in preseason and at every point of which it doesn't count, he is an incredible performer. And now he's moved his act onto mm-hmm. the Raiders and John Gruden is singing his praises and everybody thinks, you know, he's, Oh, the second coming. Well, we all know what happens with Nathan Peterman when he gets in a game that counts. Unfortunately, we do. Yeah. The ball gets turned over. Right. And when you look at that, and I went back and looked at the film on him because I was so fascinated by this because to me, he clearly has a performance anxiety issue. And, and this is something that's so treatable. And that's why I'm thinking, you know, if anybody does get this figured out right for him, um, he could do very well. 
because he has, in my opinion, he has performance anxiety. You get out there, you do fine until the bullets start flying, and then all of a sudden, all bets are off. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So as a psychotherapist, what, what is it that you see that leads you to believe that because that's probably his issue? You know, these are things that he didn't, you know, he doesn't do in practice. He's so precise. His timing is precise. It's like he, if you look at him on tape, he looks like a deer in the headlights when it counts, you know, he doesn't even see the, mm. you know, the defender coming, you know, and cutting off and, and picking off the pass. He doesn't even see it because his adrenaline is rushing so much. He's not, you know, he's completely blanked out at the moment. Gotcha. So one of the funniest tweets I've ever read was during the game that he started against San Diego two years ago. And there was a, a play where he threw a pass. It was actually on the mark. It bounced off the hands of Charles Clay, got intercepted. And I can't remember who tweeted this originally, but it said that Josh, or I'm sorry, Nathan Peterman's passes are becoming self-aware <laughs> and are now intercepting themselves. I that, thought that was that's, amazing. That's great a tweet right there. Um, so mm -hmm. let's step away from the quarterback position. You know, why are there some players, say an offensive lineman or a, a linebacker? Why do some of them fail when they have all the talent to succeed? What goes on in their head that holds them back if all other factors are the same? it has to do with feeling like you're in doing the thing that you should be doing. In other words, feeling like you're, you're being your authentic self. If you this is kind of a group dynamic sort of issue. Let's say, well, let's use an offensive lineman for an example, because each of these position groups are different from a psychological perspective. Offensive linemen, it's critical that they think alike, they do alike, they understate, they finish each other's sentences. They have to be in sync. They all have to be in sync. And when they're not in sync, they're not going to play well. And that can be because that, that can be very much a psychological issue when you see holding or you see um, false starts, things like that. Those things happen because you're not concentrating on acting as, as you're, you're coming out as one. That's what an offensive lineman does. So when an offensive lineman comes in and doesn't fit in to the family, so to speak, personality-wise, whatever. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, use Richie Incognito as an example. Richie's kind of a, you know, high-firing dude with a loud personality. Um, that will fly with some groups. It might not with others. And so what you have to have in an offensive right. line group is a, a group of people that they can be different as night and day when they're, you know, off, off the field. But when they're on the field, they got to be they got to be churning out and they've got to be in the same vibe. And that doesn't happen that easily. 
and you know, seeing things the same way and being able to relate, I would imagine that becomes particularly difficult when you're in the position where you're competing with the guy next to you in order to make the team. Like we said before, these guys are fighting for their NFL lives, some of them. And you would think that it's creating a bunch of rivalries, but they can't talk about it. You know how they always have these platitudes about how uh, competition brings out the best in all of them, but that can't really be how they feel when somebody who they have to interact with day in and day out is trying to take food off of their table or possibly even worse, their friend. So what do you think is going on in their minds in the locker room when they don't have when they don't have the microphone in front of their faces, what kinds of things are being said and going on or more? That's a very interesting question because it's a timely one. If you think about what's going on right now in every locker room in the NFL, there's what 90 players still on the rosters until August 31st. So that's a big chunk Mm -hmm. of those folks that are not going to be here in a couple of weeks. And right now everything is at fever pitch for all of those players who are not assured a roster spot. You know, obviously there's some players that are going to be there. The people who are on the cusp, those are the folks that their tension level, you could cut it with a knife because everything that they have worked for and strived for Mm -hmm. in their entire life is on the line right now. I would think that on any given team, there are 60 guys right. that don't know if and they're going to make it. of those, how many actually will make it? Um, boy, I, I right? think 23. You know, and so uh, uh, the majority are not going to make it. And they, in, in pretty much everyone, that's their worst fear at that point. You know, what if I don't make it? What if I don't make it? Because then if you don't make it, you have to, okay, let go of your dream. Maybe you have to like finish your degree, or if you've already finished your degree, you've got to find a job or whatever. You have to you have to change your pathway in life. That's a big deal. So That's very you can imagine the emotion that every one of those players has. So at the same time that they're giving all the right, they're saying all the right things to the media. Oh yes, we we work well together in the locker room. You know, we are a really tight group. You know, it's cutthroat, and just like in any other situation. There's feelings in, that go on that aren't shared. Um, there's some that probably are. But I have to say I do have some admiration for what Sean McDermott has done as a head coach in terms of creating a culture of competition, but also one that is respectful of one another. You know, I don't think that he would be very happy to have Antonio Brown in his circus with his helmet issue going on at one Bill's drive. No, he doesn't. Antonio Brown doesn't seem like a process guy, which is why I find it interesting that they more than kicked the tires on him. Um, You know, we, this was something that I thought about earlier when you were talking about the blending of personalities and, you know, they, they talk about the process all the time. That was something that Marv Levy used to preach without using the actual term. I believe he used to say that talent mm-hmm. without character cannot Marv win. Marv was fabulous with coming up with the right thing to say to motivate players. He was extraordinary in that 
aspect as a coach. And I think that's so underrated. And I watch Sean McDermott, and I, of course, you know, I'm fascinated by him because I have begged for the last 20 years to have a coach that was the kind of coach that would promote high character in the locker room, um, you know, be respectful of one another, you know, this sort of thing. And, you know, so far, knock on wood, we've done pretty well all the way through training camp and so on um, in terms of nobody's gotten arrested, um, nobody's been suspended, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, that that's a big issue. And even though Sean McDermott doesn't have the same – I don't think he has the same ability to communicate the way that Marv Levy did. Because Marv was Probably different. Not. You know, Marv was like the elder statesman. And I think I like the term that they came up with for Sean McDermott. He's Papa Smurf. He's definitely Papa <laughs> Smurf because he, he, you see where he really wants to, he wants to take care of his family. And he treats his players like their family. He really cares about them. He talks about love. Who talks about love in football? It's a subject that they really don't uh, don't tap into too often. The only person I can ever even think of mentioning yes. that is probably Dick Vermeil, who used to tell everybody yes. that he loved them and <laughs> cried yes. all the time. I think Sean is a little bit more controlled with his emotions, but but he does he does share that same compassion. You know, there's this extreme level of compassion. And for any Bills fan, if you haven't, I'm sure you've watched it a hundred times, but where the old little video on buffalobills.com when the Bills made the playoffs in 2017 and they were in the locker room and they just found out and everybody's screaming and yelling. And the first thing the camera looks at is Sean McDermott and he's got tears in his eyes and he bows his head. You know what it meant to him Mm -hmm. to do that. You know what it meant to him. And that, I think, is what makes him similar to Marv Levy in that he's he's very much a father figure, you know, for his team. So shifting gears a little bit, um, we got into lack of character a little bit last week when we mentioned Roscoe Parrish. And now another Bills alumni in trouble. Mario Williams, for people that don't know, was arrested for, well, basically, uh, it was trespassing, but he was harassing an ex-girlfriend. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, Robin. These alumni, they got to do better. And, you know, we had a, we had a believe public service announcement last week, so I'm going to kind of get into it again. And I'm going to say, guys, if you're rejected by a woman, right. go away. No ifs, ands, or buts. Just get out of there. Find something better to do with your time than harassing her. Yeah. <sighs> Any thoughts on that, Robin? And, <laughs> yeah, I have several thoughts on it. One, what you said is absolutely true. And sometimes these guys, they end up retired at a young age. They have a lot of money. Um, you know, they have a lot of celebrity status. Um, they have a sense of entitlement that goes with that at times. But the other thing that I think that we don't pay enough attention to, and you, you bring it up in terms of alumni. I would so like to see the NFL players association do a lot more to help players transition out of football into the next phase of their lives, because there mm-hmm. many of them are not doing well. And I think that, that they need support. Right. 
And the NFL Players Association is really good at negotiating contracts and, you know, player safety and, and those kinds of issues. I'd like to see them do more in that regard in terms of helping players after they're finished with football, because most of them are done. Most of them are not Tom Brady and going to play into their 40s. And so these are young men who need guidance with this transition. Well, I'm uh, even though it's a, a down note, that's probably a good place to uh, uh, to end this uh, this particular podcast. But Robin, I cannot thank you enough for coming on and uh, providing your insights. This was really a great conversation, and I think uh, I, I think this is a podcast well, that people really need me, to I'd hear. Be happy to come back anytime. We're uh, we're going to take you up on that. Uh, for my host, John Boccasino, who's not with us tonight, I'm Jamie D'Amico. Thank you all for listening. We'll be coming back at you soon. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.